0: Ahoy hoy, adventurer! This is future Adam coming back to the past to talk about this present episode. So this episode you're about to hear and the one after it were recorded as one episode. As we went into post-production and thought about it, we decided it would be best to split this up into part one and part two as we discuss what we're calling Universal Relics, Universal Orlando Resorts, Oldest and Past Attractions. So as you probably saw in the title, this episode will cover Poseidon's Fury. But you will hear us say we're going to talk about E.T. Adventure as well. That's going to be part two, which we'll have out in a few days. Make sure you subscribe to the feed or the channel to catch it as soon as we release it. Well, we've gone on long enough, I imagine. Enjoy the show, and welcome to Theme Park Workshop with the podcast. This week on Theme Park Workshop, the podcast, we're back with some news. Universal holidays, Disney Plus Day. Why the big push all of a sudden? And after all that weirdness, we'll
1: dive into two classic attractions, Poseidon's Fury and E.T. Adventure. Do these legends hold up or do they have more flaws than they're worth? We'll discuss it this week on Theme Park Workshop, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, everybody, welcome back to Theme Park Workshop, the podcast. We still haven't decided what the name of it is, but it's another week, and it's a good week because Fast and Furious Supercharged is still closed.
0: <laughs> well, you know, by the time this comes out, it probably actually will be open, perhaps. As you say to- that, you say that, but. Someone heard it from a team member, which, you know, is always accurate. Yeah, yeah, the Dippin' Dots guy. <laughs> Oh man. So we're not going to talk about what's new with Fast and Furious Supercharge because uh, no one knows what happened with Fast and Furious Supercharge quite yet. Although Jonathan, I I guess we're just gonna go right into this. <laughs> what do you do you, do you think this is a sign that the change is bigger than we expected?
1: Yes, I honestly think they're they're running into delays with timing. And you know how those darn trackless ride vehicles are, those those trackless ride vehicles when when the ride literally has no no purpose to have a trackless ride vehicle. I didn't complain about that last week. But yes, yes, I do think it's it's taking longer to make the change than expected.
0: <laughs> but do you, I mean like do you think they're adding a lot more new to it or do you think it's just a silly delay? I mean, I don't think
1: they're reworking the sets. I I just think it's going to take a little bit to rework the programming. That that always takes a couple extra days. I think the the any physical work is probably already done it's just reprogramming with the new scenes mm.
0: yeah well we'll see it when we see it um by the way uh, my name's adam uh- <laughs> <And> i'm jonathan <laughs> and that's jonathan uh as he said this is theme park workshop whether it's the theme park workshop podcast theme park workshop the podcast it's one of those if you put those five words together and any search bar will come up so welcome to the show we're glad you're here I just realized we never said our names before we started talking about Fast and Furious Supercharged because it's our favorite <laughs> ride of all time. And we just need to jump right into it.
1: Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> but this week we have the Universal Holidays. The, the holidays yeah. have started. I think yesterday was the very first showing of the Grinchmas Holiday Spectacular. There's lots of praise for it being in the Blue Man Group Theater and just being back. The There was some drama with um, the Macy's parade. I saw that without the, apparently it was clogging one corner there were some fist fights you know there are some people taking to Twitter to say this is why I always go to Disney as if nobody ever breaks out into a fight at Disney over merchandise for the 50th anniversary <laughs> so you know we there's some some good old-fashioned theme park hypocrisy there but overall it appears that Universal's holiday offerings are excellent up to snuff with the previous years and I will be there next weekend to check it out. um as i'm going with my sister for her birthday so happy birthday i I can't say thank you i mean it's her birthday so maybe she'll listen to this maybe she'll be like thank you
0: yeah i mean it should be your birthday by the time i get this out (laughs) 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 um but one thing that interests me is what they're doing in city walk um they're they have like a holiday trail with booths and stuff i forget what they call it should have put that on the show notes but you know whatever but that As looks cool. really i think cool. it's like
1: mistletoe way mistletoe Lane,
0: row, something like that yeah
1: yeah it looks really cool i love that they're getting city walk into the christmas spirit and i mean the fact that the food doesn't look too expensive they have interesting stuff it's it just really adds to the festivity
0: yeah mardi gras really you know i think really inspired universal to put some extra effort into these special events because I mean, they've always been fairly big. Like Mardi Gras has had the concerts, uh, Universal Holidays always had Grinchmas and Macy's, but ever since they did like the food festival for Mardi Gras, I think that started in 2020. Correct me if I'm wrong. So 2020 uh, that they started doing that to I make think up so, for yeah, um, yeah, to make up for a lot of things being lost and folks not being there because of the the panini. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, and they're using the same things, the the, the food tents from Horror Nights, uh, to it looks like it anyway, uh, to to do this CityWalk special um, way. I guess they're not really tents, but but not quite food trucks either. I don't know what to call them. But I'm glad to see them uh, getting reused, and I'm excited to go in and check it out myself. I I know for sure I'm going in December. Uh, hopefully, I can go many more times between now and then though
1: yes absolutely the next big thing on our news was that disney plus day was a thing um this doesn't directly relate to the parks but the disney parks did celebrate by rolling out special character meet and greets and lighting up the epcot ball blue and you know letting the guests who are subscribed to disney plus actually in for early park admission um which I I can only imagine how well that went, <laughs> trying to verify your Disney Plus subscription status at seven a.m. in the morning, trying to get into the Magic Kingdom. Oh but God. you know, at the end of the day, this is this was very corporate. Adam and I discussed before uh, we got on the show about how awful the new Simpsons short was, and just just overall, it's it's like if what Disney's trying to do. And and not, not to sound like, you know, one of those crazy people who's like, ah, darn capitalism. But like what Disney's trying to do here is create an entire day of the year where we just celebrate the fact that we have the ability to watch Disney content. <laughs> and you know, if 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 there's nothing else, you know, grim about our corporate overlords, I think I think that is that is the big thing. Now, am I gonna go stream Shang-Chi on Disney Plus? absolutely i'm so happy it's there am i did i watch the olaf presents
0: yeah i did it was cute but did you watch the one minute sneak previews of obi-wan kenobi and willow i watched the obi-wan kenobi one i i didn't know what willow was so oh willow's Um, another lucasfilm movie that they're making a show now that was actually a lot of fun made me excited to watch the show actually oh give you no information about the show other than the cast and like is warwick davis who's always hilarious like the, the fellow should host the oscars like he should host everything <laughs> neil patrick harris who warwick davis um he went in, around and like talked to the cast but it was like very tongue-in-cheek you know like he's the big head star and uh it was actually pretty fun
1: yeah but yeah
0: disney plus day was, was something else what, what, what were your thoughts i was at first i was pleasantly surprised i think by how much they went into it and then I was horrified. <laughs> I think that just might be how bad the Simpson short was, kind of bleeding over. Uh, so I remember the first Disney Plus day. I don't know if you remember this, but it was very much them saying like, "Hey, it's been a year since we uh, since we launched Disney Plus. You love Disney Plus, don't you? Well, here's like five extra movies. i I hope you're happy. You know, yeah. here's here's a Mickey Mouse short. You know, like it really was not that much. And then some people on YouTube that I watch weren't really you know disney files they're just like pretty much average schmoes there was a schmoes no uh i don't know if y'all any of y'all who are listening remember the schmoes No. but they're youtube reviewers back like in the day and now they do other things but they were like hyping it up they're like oh yeah this is going to be like to the scale of d23 or comic con and i'm like fellas you're really setting yourself up for disappointment i don't know how many announcements are actually going to be getting because it's I think they've shown us the cards. We're gonna get Shang-Chi, we're gonna get Jungle Cruise, we're gonna get Olaf and Simpsons and this Boba Fett documentary and things like that. maybe you'll get like a little snippet, but I don't think, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment by the way you're hyping this up as a D23 virtual DC fandom type experience. And then it actually ended up being this whole affair on Twitter. Strange place to do it. <laughs> but what really surprised me Uh, before I saw The Simpsons short and just worried for the future was, um, it's really bad, folks. Don't watch it. Save yourself. If you really want to see all your Disney characters together in an unexpected setting, go to Magic Kingdom, see Mickey's Fidel Magic, which did just get its new upgrade, actually. Okay. I'm very excited to see that in like five years. And um, (laughs) I don't know if I'm going back to Magic Kingdom, Uh, but uh, play Kingdom Hearts. Just enjoy that. Like, that's really the best Disney crossover you'll find, that in the House of Mouse. Do not watch the Simpsons and Plus Aversary. It's so bad. But I really was at first surprised that they were pushing it so much at the parks. So no, people have been pretty uh, bummed out that the Disney anniversaries this year at the parks really haven't been that much. I mean, Disneyland, California Adventure, they've gone in with like the holidays, Halloween and the Boo Bash, not the Boo Bash, the Oogie Boogie Bash, whatever they call it. Uh, they're doing some Christmas things and the Marvel land over there, Adventures Campus. They've had a lot of meet and greets. And so they've been going pretty all in, but that's just the normal operations. Other than that, we get a castle decoration. We get some new uh, night shows. Uh, we got Ratatouille, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, but it's been pretty low key. And then all of a sudden, Disney Plus Day comes and they roll out the blue carpet. As Jonathan said, they've got special meet and greets. Apparently they had special entry. I had no idea about that. I also wasn't paying attention. I was expecting that. But um, it it just kind of confirmed something that Bob Shafik said uh, about a year ago. I remember being at City Walk of all places, reading this announcement that he made saying, yes, streaming is going to be basically one of the main pillars of the Walt Disney Company from here on out. I didn't quite understand the magnitude that he was implying. But with how much Disney Plus was pushed on Disney Plus Day, it really, I think it made a statement that oh okay the central hub of disney it's not the theaters it's not the to video as it might have been like in the 2000s you know every disney movie had like a direct video sequel it felt like unless you're home on the range you kind of lost out and and the parks the parks you know everyone loved the parks but now it's everyone's got disney plus everyone will like disney plus everyone's got something on disney plus and i like disney plus <laughs> i like having my marvel I like having all the Star Wars shows that I, I don't make the time to watch, and <laughs> like Disney Plus actually does put out some good stuff most of the time, and I do like it's a streaming service. But I think I think the big takeaway was how important it is to the company that it would get such a big presence all over the place. Now, do they have to announce everything on Twitter? Like, n- no. I feel like I feel like you just do a Nintendo Direct and you know live stream at the parks for an hour i do
1: feel it's like it's really interesting that they did decide to do it via twitter thread instead of some sort of live stream that people could watch it was almost like it wasn't even on youtube no it was just i mean and then they made instagram posts about it but obviously instagram as a platform doesn't foster conversation the way twitter does right but it's still weird that like we were literally just getting updates as it went like they didn't go through any official news channels they just hopped on their twitter account we're like all right here's here's
0: what's coming And I'm just I thought that was weird because I feel like your central audience, you know, families, kids, they don't have Twitter
1: or they don't care about Twitter. Like it's only the film bros, the people who are going to cringe at everything Disney's releasing.
0: I mean, I I, and it it makes sense because you want everything to be trending like I cannot tell you how many people I saw who were so excited that Agatha Harkness is getting her own show. Oh, you know, I can't. I, I mean, I'm very excited for that just because it's Agatha. I think she's an interesting character. I think Catherine Hahn does a fantastic job and I love WandaVision. And, but, you know, the smaller announcements just got lost. Like there's one called Better Nate Than Never. Did anybody describe it? I don't know. Like with Twitter. Ice Age movie. Oh yeah, this first announcement. So strange. Roderick Rules is apparently happening. Diary of Wimby Kid 2, the first movie hasn't come out yet. So I guess it means this first one's really good. That they're already greenlighting the sequel. I think I know what what's
1: happening with Dire of Wimpy Kid. Everybody's like, okay, the original trilogy was so good, we don't want you to make an animated remake. But what Disney's doing with the animated series is allowing them to actually adapt every single book a lot closer because mm. because you're working with animation, you unless your voice cast just gets really old, they can actually now go through and adapt every single one of Jeff's books pretty closely because like i know i remember with the movie
0: trilogy like they skipped
1: whatever the third one was and made uh it
0: it was the last straw i think that's my favorite book so i was like shocked when they didn't make that they they skipped that
1: and then just did one after and then they like made like a merger of the stories to try and and that was just because they wanted to give the trilogy closure which like i get it i understand but i think people are confused like how is the first movie only going to be 50 minutes as it's listed on disney plus i'm like
0: It's only fifty minutes.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be like basically like an hour long special for every book. Oh, well, that Uh, actually could work. Which I don't know. I think they're at least they're trying to do something new with it and yeah and different and maybe it'll allow them to adapt the stories more faithfully. I'm thinking to how Netflix did a series of unfortunate events. Mm. Um, but I could be wrong. It could be terrible. But I think there's also a lot of just early judgment on the Diary of a Wimpy Kid.
0: Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah but uh we'll see you know if this sticks around i a lot of people i feel like were excited about the disney plus day announcements to me it just confirmed again like this is a big deal but it was also weird to see how it was implemented more than other things happen at the parks yeah tying into our show, theme park workshop you talk about the theme parks that was so strange i get it yeah but also i don't Class Curious and Disney Plus Day and Universal Holidays. That's our news. I hope you enjoyed. That's all out of the way. Now it's time to get to what you're really here for. I think so. Well, actually, maybe you're just here week to week to hear our beautiful voices do some talking about theme parks and theme park related things. But really, I think think your focus every week should be, oh boy, when are these two going to talk about my favorite person in all the world? lord (laughs) darkenon that's right lord darkenon
1: is a character from the 2001 film poseidon's fury directed by um i actually don't know who directed poseidon's Fury*.
0: i'm assuming (laughs) he's a uh he's not a good dude like he got in some trouble (laughs) like harassment trouble i think um oh no oh shoot Come on, IMDb, where are you?
1: But yes, um, if you couldn't predict it, we're talking about Universal this week. <laughs> and this week we're talking about our two favorite classic attractions um, in both Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios Florida. And these are perhaps underrated, perhaps underseen. They only ever get a line longer than twenty minutes when it's Christmas time. Oh. Let's start by talking about Poseidon's Fury. Um, you're you're looking up the director. Are you able to find him?
0: Almost. I'm trying to remember what article it was in. I don't know, but... Yeah, I'm not going to keep on looking.
1: (laughs) All right, so we'll start with Poseidon's Fury. What would you say, if you could describe the show in in three words, what three words would you use to describe Poseidon's Fury?
0: Walk through. That's my first word, because there's a hyphen. So walk through... Fighting major here. ...effects spectacular those are my three words i mean that's like a phrase oh you wanted adjectives
1: i mean i mean that that works i was gonna say (laughs) um i was gonna say grand um cheesy yeah and mysterious ooh mysterious those those are my three words i know there are a few places I get a better sense of mystery than in the queue line um, as we start to see the archaeological dig and the various things that they've uncovered um, and your cell phone service goes out so you're forced to take a look around at, at what all is in there. The, the
0: funniest part is oh. the the interesting stuff is at the very front of the queue where no one is ever. Everyone's in that grand, you know, I was going to say grand hub, but I think it's more like a claustrophobic box. <laughs> Yeah, With no cell phone service. So uh, if you're not familiar with Poseidon's Fury, I hope those six words kind of gave you a little bit of a hint of what this experience is like, because honestly, every time I walk past it when it has been open, right now it's under refurb. We'll, we'll hope for the best and say that's what's happening. Uh, they're giving it some much needed TLC that uh, this, this uh, uh, wonderful beloved attraction uh, much deserves. But uh, yeah, Whatever walk past it, it's trying to describe it to someone who's never been to Universal. Like, oh, what's Poseidon's Fury? Because it's got a beautiful queue. And then you tell them, and they're kind of on the fence after that. <laughs> because you say walkthrough effects, uh, spectacular, or cheesy, grand, mysterious. You don't know what to expect. Like, is it a ride? Oh, well, no. Oh, is it a show? Well, not, not the kind you're thinking. So Poseidon's Fury is in the Lost Continent section of... Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. The Lost Continent is a land theme to myths and legends, uh, such as Sinbad, formerly, uh, Poseidon currently, and uh, King Arthur, not anymore. So this is the Greek mythology kind of subsection of, of the, the land. Again, it's the only original IP kind of of that park which is you know jurassic park seuss marvel sunday funnies and harry potter now you got oh it's an original land this is all that's left of it so you go in and it's actually a walkthrough special effects journey event kind of thing uh you're led through a uh mysterious I'm gonna use that word mysterious temple where a demon resides who wants to take the trident and i guess the uh undersea from poseidon who has long been dormant and you poseidon's fury what does that mean well poseidon ain't angry at the moment that's actually the name of the temple that you go in and you you see these different special effects you got lasers you got water screens kind of like at the uh, cinematic celebration lagoon show just these are much much older and video effects and of course everyone's favorite thing the revolving uh, water tunnel which is super powered jet engine basically uh, best part of the ride man best part yeah of the ride. or is it a ride that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> and you spin and you walk under it because folks you're standing and you're walking through this and of course you're led by a spieler that's kind of the current um iteration but jonathan you know more about the original version because Believe it or not, folks, this actually got an update. Yeah, back before Fast and Furious Supercharged, they actually updated attractions that weren't quite working in a yeah, timely manner. Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they did. You know, at Islands of Adventure, not everything worked fully on day one, and and Poseidon's Fury was one of those attractions that people were just confused by. There was a lack of, I think the biggest thing that the original storyline lacked, before I go into it, was a lack of a sense of who you are in the story and why you're there it was very confusing you had this merlin sort of figure who was with you and who was your guide and you're kind of going through and then you you journey to the underground temple and then you know battle and it's between poseidon and and zeus and zeus is actually the good guy in this one we discovered that merlin who has been leading us the whole time is Zeus.
0: I think his name was actually um, the keeper, like the keeper of tales, the keeper of stories. The yeah, old guy, or actually, uh, college student with a bad beard.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was that was the plot, and then Zeus saved you and defeated Poseidon, and the day was won. And Jeremy Irons showed up. It was it was a good time. Well, animated Jeremy uh-huh.
0: Irons. That's an important <laughs> detail. Back then, they had an animation budget.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> um then because guest satisfaction numbers were oh okay well the big thing that happened was when you walked through the water tunnel you were in the underwater city and then after the fight ended the roof effect would come down it would look like you were back in the exact same room that you were previously as if you had teleported um unfortunately this confused a lot of people who either didn't put the previous room into their memory or were just unsure why why this thing was happening. Um and so the universal put all the work into that effect to make it seem like you're in the previous room and I I feel like that that was almost a bit of a, spen- a suspension of disbelief too far with too little story context to justify it because it's like there wasn't an established precedent in the story that we were returned to the previous room and we couldn't escape the previous room already. So why were we going back to it? If we could have just left from that room, mm. why are we back in that room? So, you know, it posed a lot of questions. It left more people confused than satisfied with the experience. And it, it just seemed like a waste of money on an ending that left you with a, wait, what? After going out of the ride, which is never, that's never how you want people to, to leave an attraction. No.
0: That's a good point. And the whole thing about the overly complex setup, it does remind me surprisingly of Fast and Furious Supercharged. There's way too much setup you were saying last week. Way too much setup for that attraction. Um, which it shouldn't be because it's Fast and Furious. All you need
1: park stories. That one should be the least complex.
0: Right. And it might be the most complex outside of, you know, the whole Bloody Mary lore and the Boris Schuster lore. um and i think about terminator uh terminator uh 2 3d battle cross time that was an insanely simple setup you go to see a cyberdyne presentation okay cool you're there because you want to see the new technology you got a pretty fun host uh kimberly duncan super you know and then oh what's this? Oh, the show's being taken over by characters from the movie, Sarah Khanna and John Khanna. And they, because like I was eight when I saw the show. I didn't know Terminator. I really wanted to see Terminator after that. But, you know, and they like fill us in on like what happened in the past two movies. Okay. And it's very short. It's like two minutes. It doesn't even feel like the show stopped. Meanwhile, the actual like ride story is still going on because she's trying to, Kimberly Duncan's trying to shut the whole thing down. Very simple. You go in, terminator shows up and then you go into the 3d show that's like the only confusing part that transition the setup though is so simple you get into it really fast when the show is working and you're in for a great 3d spectacular that's a show that was you know flawless in its setup and then it sounds like Science fury did the opposite because it's trying to go too epic right right and i think we talk about story sometimes and i know theme park uh, university kind of rags on, not university, philosophy, theme park, roller coaster philosophy, that's the name of the site, kind of rags on theme parks for being like, oh, we're all about story, but none of the stories are particularly deep or emotional. They're more, it's more plot or atmospheric. You know, you don't really walk away crying or feeling like your life has been changed because of a theme park ride or a theme park setting. I think some exceptions to that rule might be like Despicable Me, Minion, Mayhem. It is a, a genuinely emotional story. Like, I don't care who you are. If you're like minions, you do feel a little something for Groot and the girls, right? Yeah. Um, what's another one? Um, E.T. is kind of heartwarming. I mean, we're going to get in that in a couple minutes. But E.T. is heartwarming. Oh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo the musical. Like, that is... Yes. Granted, you're taking off a really popular movie, but so does like everything at Disney this you got the, the luxury of having 40 minutes to just tell a full story with great songs written by the folks who did Frozen and Book of Mormon. And uh, like that's a strong show with a strong story that a lot of people cry during and are moved by. Like it's a really solid program. But you don't get that with like Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. You don't get that with the Velocicoaster. You definitely don't get that in Forbidden Journey. Like where you been?
1: Where you Snitch. been?
0: follow me <laughs> uh this could be the most dangerous side of my life well that's spider-man but you know and yours so I like see. i think the inclination then is to try to one-up your storytelling by going bigger with your storytelling and you know i'm inclined to want that but then i can't really think of too many instances where going bigger with the story is really paid off in a rewarding way that you want to experience over i guess kind of rise of the resistance but even then it's just it's just how immersive it is not anything else right i don't think the story
1: i mean we've praised the story but i don't think the story is what people remember most about that it's so we got into the at at room and it was so huge it's like that's that's what you remember you don't remember that you know it, it was well-paced story
0: right so yeah i think that seems to be a and as we've said before, story, story, story really seems to be the mantra of universal creative. and might be backing off on that a little bit just to create really fun experiences that have some story to it. But yeah, their inclination seems to be go bigger and then they retract and try to go back to the basics. And when they really hit their basics, like we've seen in the past couple of years, whether it is Born, right? Whether it is Hagrid or uh, what's the other one? Velocicoaster. Like those have been really strong experiences regardless of their story but maybe it's because their stories are so simple I think maybe the short version of Poseidon or the new version rather of Poseidon's Fury kind of borrows off of that because it's not too difficult to understand
1: so the team was when I say the team I mean Universal hired a bunch of great great people um, they were given a couple couple weeks to do a, a page one rewrite and say all right you have this temple, you have this area what what exactly is the story here? and so the story now becomes this is modern day, and this is an archaeological dig site because before the people who are actually working at the attraction were supposed to be like spirits, so they all wore black cloaks, oof, yeah, so like they're supposed to be like- like wandering spirits guiding you towards the temple you know it was it was very. It was very avant-garde. And I don't know if I'm using that word right, but <laughs> um, I think I think for a theme park that was it was it was just ambiguous. It was like you didn't know your time and place in the story. Now we have a time, we have a place. You are a tourist, you're visiting an archaeological dig site, you're here for a tour. Alright, now what is the conflict? Well, we have to come up with a new character for spieling. This is gonna be Taylor. He's gonna be he or she is going to be your guide who is unexperienced, who is thrown into the chaos with you, providing not only an audience catalyst, because you can immediately relate to Taylor, and Taylor helps convey the danger of the situation that you're in. But it also allows the story of of the gods to be its own thing. Of course, because this was written in six weeks, we have a brand new villain for the story, um, Lord Darkanon. Yeah. Which Poseidon is now going to defeat. Um, Poseidon is rewritten to be the good guy in this new iteration of the attraction. So basically, Lord Darkinon is accidentally freed when Taylor reads, "Lo and behold, English," written on the wall in blacklight font. Hey, listen, English uh, is the
0: universal language these days. That's what I've heard. Like every, not everyone speaks English, obviously, but like it's a, it's the language of corporations, you know.
1: It was, it was in ancient Greece too. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after reading the the enchantment that um that turns the lights off and makes taylor ask if any of the kids have blinky shoes um lord Darkonon offers you an escape is it entrance deeper into the tomb tr- riches we're not we're not really sure but we all follow him in anyway you said yeah I, th- I think i think so right because he, he's the one yeah, opens he opens the, the door
0: and like stupid tourists we go through uh right, and the reason right. we go through is because it's a theme park attraction when a door opens you go through it and you go through it first you know first exactly. culture it's existed since 1999
1: so you know you're you're in the next room taylor's like oh no the door shut and you know we're we're trying to get out trying to find a way out uh we stumble upon
0: Poseidon's trident accidentally too we're just looking for a way out and what better way than like to barge, the door down. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And this, this kind of becomes the MacGuffin for the rest of the show, but you know, it, pulling it out allows Taylor to be granted one wish from an Oracle who looks like, um, she was recorded on a green screen in 1996. <laughs> um, and you know, she's like, we're, we're obviously like, our one wish is we want to get out of here. Um, some people because they're bored, some people because they're playing in with the story. I like to play um, in the story these days. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and obviously she's like, that's the only wish I can't grant, but I can grant you safe passage deeper into the tomb. So, you know, that's, that's wonderful, that's great. Obviously we accept it because we don't have any other choice. So this really cool door opens, and then we're taken through the big water tunnel. And instead of the water tunnel framing the Lost City as it was intended, we actually are just in a room that is also small and cramped. Um, Oh yeah. And we're kind of like, okay, what are we doing here? And then once everybody is nice and settled, Lord Darkanon decides to come after us again. And this causes the room to be lifted, essentially.
0: Well, he gets very angry he yells at you he says give me that trident you know you will exactly. die big flash of light and you know i guess when the things were working a little bit faster it'd be like instantaneously you're in a whole nother room now your eyes kind of adjust, and you can see the magic trick happen which is a bit of a bummer but yeah the room disappears and you're undersea and you see lord Darkanon face to face and uh, Star Trek fans, you might actually be excited with who Lord Darkanon is. I didn't know this until James Keaton, who is, of course, the uh, classic actor of Jack the Clown for Halloween Horror Nights, tweeted about it. The original Lord Darkanon or D- Lord Darkanon is Jeffrey Combs, who you might know as several characters from Star Trek. little fun fact. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, so after that, Darkanon taunts us with fire. Taylor gets the the trident up to its perch with the poseidon statue poseidon comes he looks like he's been filmed on a green screen from 1966. Uh, both of them do (laughs) he and (laughs) darkenon well darkenon is all cg so no he's not no it's jeffrey combs
0: it's a live action actor there's no way current darkenon is live action current darkenon is live action my friend i I don't believe this yeah (laughs) i'm looking at him it used to be CGI when Poseidon was the villain. Poseidon was CG. I don't know about Zeus. I, I can't remember from the video I saw. But yeah, both of you've seen the final fight. You do know those are two gentlemen fighting in front of a green screen. <laughs> There's no way animation gave us that fight choreography. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, They didn't have the budget to make him animated for as long as he's in the show. He's on the villains wiki. Well, that's a endorsement, I suppose. You
1: are sure he's not CG?
0: I am a hundred percent positive he is okay, not Okay, well,
1: well, you know, there's a big, a big green screen battle. It it looks like it shouldn't be in a theme park in the twenty first century. Um, yeah. feels more at place in um in the Magic Kingdom, honestly. <laughs> and how? Because <laughs> the Magic Kingdom
0: only has old rides okay but at least none of them are are most of them are smart enough to not to use video this is like true that.
1: this is true <laughs>
0: um but after that the battle is over the day is won,
1: and the roof comes down you're back in the small room and now you exit it, and the
0: story. right because the sighting gives a safe passage if you start going you know? on right um uh, and taylor takes pictures with the kids
1: yes and it is it's very wholesome it's very good it warms my
0: heart it's nice it's a nice long experience um about 20 minutes, you know, from yeah. beginning of the show to end of show. If you're waiting for it, you'll probably be in the temple for about a good hour. Yeah. So that was the evolution of storyline. You know, that's how the story kind of evolved. And I know a lot of folks are like really into the original storyline, but honestly, with the keeper and Poseidon being the villain, and it makes sense with like the cues storytelling or like the uh the show building, that storytelling and with the fire and the, the water and just the the original name is still on the facade, yeah. uh Escape from the yeah. Lost City. So, like all and and the Treasures of Poseidon gift shop. Poseidon's there, but it's the Jeremy Irons uh Poseidon. Oh. Yeah. Which is animated. Yeah. It's that it's that character model. <laughs> but you know, every time I go and watch the original version on YouTube, which again is kind of cut up because it's it only lasts for like a year and a half, two years. It didn't last particularly long and it wasn't very popular um and i guess it did lack the cheese that this one has because this one leans all in with the cheese i mean you see the final battle you're like cheese you hear taylor's jokes like cheese and you hear the name darken on basically in the first two minutes you're like oh no that's cheese but honestly you just got to give yourself into it right Yeah. um but that original show it just lacked a lot, and apparently it was confusing And you know, in you know, Horror Nights fans, we're used to confusing <laughs> and like looking up what the story is elsewhere, like the deeper details and stuff. Like in the the production diaries and hearing from the creative team and how I, mythology is retconned all the time and that. So we're used to that, but it it, it didn't quite carry over with Poseidon. Obviously, I I did not love the. Well, here's here's the thing, I really enjoyed it when I saw it in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I was around ten years old. That was a favorite of the family. Yeah. Then as years went by, I kind of became less enthralled by it. And this is the new version again. I didn't see the old version until, you know, I was a college student with YouTube, realizing, (laughs) oh, this is actually on here. Cool. Then then I the cheese just kind of became more obvious. The whole even now, well, maybe they'll change it, you know, when it reopens because it's been closed for a long time. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, like it's been a long refurb. I don't know if they're just touching it up or what. The whole final battle scene with Darkanon and and Poseidon, it it it's like clang clang stab ah, kaboom safe passage back to your land. Like it's if you're not into the show by that point, that kills it. <laughs> so that's why you know Taylor is very important so I like hated I never wanted to do it again so people would be like oh what is this like you're honestly probably better off not doing it now I so want to come back we were so excited we experienced it for what has been so far the last time and now I'm just like kind of a fanboy for it because of how cheesy it is and just how as a camp it might be camp just I don't know the whole feel of it I, I I really enjoy it and I I really I I can I just uh, lean into what the tailors are, are doing and, and all that? I've, I've grown to love it. I was
1: trying to see if there was, I know one of the people who worked on it, tweeted about what they said when they forgot the f- footage of Lord Dark and on back for the first
0: time. Oh no. Let's see. Oh, while Jonathan's looking for that, another Horror Nights fun fact. I'm sure if you s- listen to episode four, which again, I'm so glad we got, Uh, Kelly and Bella and Nicole to join us for that episode if you haven't listened to it I honestly implore you to go back and watch it or listen to it rather uh, because there's really a lot of fun to do and I think it's a lot of fun to listen to but um, the Usher character made a little guest appearance there at the beginning the Usher was the icon for the 19th year of Halloween Horror Nights and the actor who plays the, the Usher he actually got his start with Poseidon's Fury he said at a convention which I think is pretty cool uh, kind of how all these universal actors kind of jump from attraction to attraction to show to show to show. One time you'll see them in horror makeup. One time you'll see them, you know, hyping up the Universal Music Plaza. Another time you'll see them in Fear Factor or Poseidon and they just kind of go all over the place. little fun, fun thing if you're a regular, you start to notice the actors and where they pop up.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I couldn't, I could not find it. But yeah, so I think, I think Poseidon's Fury, like Adam was saying, the charm is there in the cheese if you're if you're looking forward it is very much it also you know depends on the the person you get to play taylor they kind of be really into it or really out of it um, yeah and i know i've i've had better tailors and worse tailors some Taylors will like really play into it and get emotional other tailors like they try to be sarcastic and make snarky jokes about the story and i feel like that doesn't work or play as well. Um, but I can understand after doing it so many times that um,
0: yeah. you would want to throw in those kinds of jokes. Um like it's a thing that works for Supercharge, for instance, but it doesn't quite work with Poseidon. Yeah. And like I've yeah. seen some people go too into the joke too. Like they make a it's the worst joke, I think, in the entire park. <laughs> Where uh Dark-Anon, his disembodied voice calls out to Taylor and he's like, Where is your master? And Taylor's like Yoda, oh oh no no, but that's the line, and you gotta say the line. You can't delete the line, I guess. And like my favorite Taylor's just kind of rush through that line, like Yoda, oh you mean Professor Baxter? And others were like Yoda, oh, <laughs> uh oh you mean Professor Baxter? Yes, <laughs> give me the right <laughs> hand.
1: The best, the best <laughs> is when the, they play into current events with some of their shows. Oh, yes. um, I mean, and the Horror Makeup Show does that as well. But you have in the show notes, why would we want this attraction to live on? And for me, yeah. the reason I want it to live on is because it's so unique. It's, so, <laughs> it's such a one-of-a-kind experience in parks where everything feels like it's a screen ride. You know, the fact that it is hard to describe to somebody, I think makes it really cool because there isn't anything else like it and you know to find something that unique in the park is rare. Um I honestly think this is one of the attractions that look I know Universal's probably going to take it out for Zelda but
0: and I am looking yeah you know not to jump in on that but I am looking forward to that day. I will miss this though.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I think if you if you just invested in new footage for that final fight this could be an attraction that people go out of with their jaws dropped because the physical effects still work really well and the presentation is still really strong um and i think the script the script really does play into the cheese because of the ending so it it has to have that more comedic tone but i really do think you could pull off a more like you start it and you think you know what it's gonna be Uh, And then you get to the finale, and it's just, it's just really grand. And I think, I think there's probably a better way to do the exit as well, than returning to the room. I think you could, you could have some sort of effect where Poseidon pulls up a curtain or something to open the passageway. Um, Maybe returning to the room is the best option, I don't know. But Either way, I think with just a couple small tweaks, this could be one of the most impressive attractions in the park that people just would always talk about. Oh, we're here! It's the same for Poseidon! Look Poseidon, I have your trident! By the power of the block Ones, I
0: order you. Give me that trident over my dead body! the closest thing universal has to a cult classic i would agree with that like disney has a couple of cult classics you know not everyone loves the country bears jamboree but those who do they love the country bears jamboree i know people who have just spent their entire day a full day at the magic kingdom watching the country bear jamboree uh Muppa vision is the hollywood studios cult classic i think a lot of it is like really niche comedy shows now that i think about it yeah um i don't know if animal kingdom quite has a cult classic i mean dinosaur kind of has that tone but it's a pretty universally loved attraction but yeah it really is the closest thing to a cult classic i think universal got, and it's one of the few if only at this point original attractions they have absolutely it's not really based on i mean it's you have a sighting but other than that it is pretty much entirely original i mean you can do anything with it you can you can change it because you're not accountable
1: to anybody for copyright or representation yeah. or anything and i think poseid Fury should absolutely stay it's unique it's great you know let's let's change a couple things let's change the font so it doesn't look like papyrus when when they're revealing the black light text let's let's get oh, some, yeah. some new footage of the final fight to actually make it epic you know (laughs) let's do some new fight choreography but if you fix those things like the actual infrastructure for this attraction with the three rooms which are basically three acts and the water tunnel being the centerpiece before the big finale um you know it's got that practicality it has that very real feeling and i don't know i think that's really special i think it's a really solid attraction
0: Another thing that stands out to me with this attraction is the music. And I'm actually going to take a second to look up who did the music. Cause I always wanted to call out who does the music. I don't actually, now I think, I don't think we mentioned them in our Jurassic world episode, but I believe William Kidd did a lot of the music for that. The camp Jurassic theme and the um, Jurassic park Calypso theme. Uh, the people that uh, universal gets to do the music for the parks are just phenomenal and i think Poseidon's fury might be one of the most underrated musical scores that they have
1: i know i certainly haven't heard it so yeah definitely let's play it
0: well that's the thing you can't find the music other than the ride oh it, 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 it wasn't
1: either. on the of adventure soundtrack
0: no so they have like a little snippet in camp jurassic but yeah most of them they have not posted the music anywhere on youtube no one's found it no one's even that it no one's done what you've done just stand outside capturing the audio yeah it's nowhere to be found it wasn't on the cd they did put like a 30 second snippet before the camp jurassic track um and we'll play that right now so enjoy
1: So I think another fun story to talk about with Poseidon's Fury, there's two actually. The first is that originally the little ponds outside of Poseidon's Fury were supposed to be wading pools for children to play in uh, if they were <laughs> too scared to ride with their family. Um, you can actually see the infrastructure is all still there, little stairs leading down to the water.
0: I've always wondered about that.
1: I thought it was just for show. No, that was, that was actually supposed to be a place guests could access ultimately. Universal decided it was too high risk, you know, you know, water and and people and slipping and um, Yeah, kid might get shocked. It's not like Seuss Landing where the water places have, you know, like grippy because, you know, it's it's still themed to stone. I think that's such a cool feature that was that was designed into it. And I, I kind of wish they were still there. But yeah, you also have to wonder, like, OK, what's what's the purpose? I mean, are you going to have people? Just getting into the water in their full clothes and just sitting sitting down in the waiting pool and just chilling there. And then, how's that going to affect the rest of the park? And
0: I don't know. What's the entrance? Are that going to be? I I just I just feel like I think it was going to be from the gift shop side. Gotcha. Um. Oh yeah, because that does kind of that's kind of how you get into that gift shop. Because I don't usually exit through the gift shop. Now that I think about it, got to make a special point to go through there. Right.
1: And the other thing is that the attraction's name actually comes from the fact that SeaWorld originally wanted to use the attraction name Journey to Atlantis for their ride Journey to Atlantis. But Universal wanted to name Poseidon's Fury Journey to Atlantis because it goes into you know the show, which is, is the big feature of it, is in Atlantis. Um, so both of these parks wanted to use this attraction name. It's a really solid name, um, very strong. But there was another issue going on at the time, which was that Universal wanted to use the name Islands of Adventure for its park. <laughs> and Bush Gardens, if you didn't know, which is just a couple hours away, um, has a water park called Adventure Island. And presumably, these two could get confused, where people could be like, hey, you want to go to Islands of Adventure? And people would be like, oh, you mean Adventure Island? Or people would think that Adventure Island? It, it just becomes confusing. Potential contra- oh, infringement. I know that I've seen people get these confused,
0: even to this day. Yeah, I was going to say, you say presumably, but it's actually. <laughs>
1: it's actually, no, but yeah, people have gotten these names confused to this day. So Bush Gardens wanted to prevent that. But ultimately, they decided to work out a deal. They said, hey, here's here's what we'll do. If you name your attraction not Journey to Atlantis and let us name our attraction Journey to Atlantis we won't press charges about you naming your park islands of adventure and so that's how it worked out and that's why we have journey to atlantis poseidon's fury islands of adventure and adventure island
0: yeah and i'm just happy that uh through it all we get a great gary gutman score actually a second one believe it or not uh the music gary gutman also did the jurassic park ride pre-show music oh yeah he kind of double dipped now uh, apparently um, I'm looking at the, his IMDb page. He, he hasn't done a whole lot of things you might know unless you were a fan of the 80s show Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future or Skeleton Warriors. Uh, I've not seen those, but I'm sure they were absolute classics. But yeah, he did the at least the Hollywood version of Jurassic Park, the ride, that pre-show video. And then he came back at least for the 99 version of Poseidon's Fury, but I'll, I'll believe that he did both because I I want to know who did the music, and I don't think many people know who did the music there. But, like, it really is an effect of swell, too.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, going through the attraction, and, like, it really makes you feel like a hero. I don't know what we do in the ride, but, like, it really does make you feel like a hero. Uh, going through that water tunnel, and it's like... whatever it is like yeah. it's so good like if you have i mean i would honestly wait until the attraction reopens and then make a point to go visit it if you've never done it before again big cheese but i want it to stay because it's it is, as jonathan was saying earlier it is extremely unique uh, i think the only other ride we could think of, or attraction that we could think of that is similar to it is kind of the enchanted tales with Belle at magic kingdom nowhere near this scale i understand but still has that Special effect entrance, yeah. That Poseidon has Absolutely. they both share that. There is a good bit of guest interaction in different forms, of course, but it's there, yeah. And it it can be a really heartwarming moment for kids. It is a little yeah. intense if kids are particularly scared of loud noises and darkness and fire and and things of the sort. Um, but I I mean I my favorite memory of Poseidon's Fury, I mean it's really amazing. Was uh, this little girl was Taylor's triton bearer. Like she held the trident throughout because he's like, okay, I need your help. I actually think it was the guy who played Usher now that I think about it. He's like, okay, I need someone's help. Okay, I need you to carry this trident. You got the blinky shoes, you're gonna leave the way and you're gonna carry the trident and we're gonna do this together. Okay, I need your help. And so when the water tunnel comes, obviously Taylor has to go in to make sure it's safe and everything's working so he can like, or she can uh, play off the, what how it's actually operating because there have been days the water tunnel has not quite worked and so taylor's gonna be like i think this is the way to the deeper in the temple and our way out yeah let's go uh but obviously it was working that day so he and she's like following right up close to him and i, I managed to see as we were exiting that she had the trident in her hand this little six-year-old blonde girl holding the trident with taylor you know his his hand on her shoulder and they're smiling And i'm like that's gonna be a moment that little girl remembers forever and i hope the parents are big universal fans and framed it oh yeah
1: absolutely i mean my sister she loves the attraction um we had a really good experience with it i think the first time we went together where we just had a really great tailor who was who was able to riff on the conversation and my sister also didn't know like anything about it um oh, that's so great. experiencing it as a as a surprise it's, it's definitely become one of her um her favorites to to do every time we go so it's sad that it's not open yet but yes Besides and Fury, we would like it to live on. But as we teased, we're talking about two attractions on this show. Um, And so it's time to switch over to Universal Studios Florida. Talk about the classic... I don't know what that sound was. (laughs) (laughs) We have to talk about the classic E.T. adventure.
0: This has been episode six of the Theme Park Workshop podcast. This episode has been produced and edited by Adam Johnson and co-created and co-hosted by Jonathan Edward. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam J underscore film, at Wesley and at Workshop TP. Please refer to the show notes for this episode's music tracks and Parklore's in-depth retrospective of Poseidon's Fury, which we source extensively in this episode. A special thank you to our patrons Chandler Desrochers and Landon Kanuki. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and on our YouTube channel. And stay tuned for part two of Universal Relics and our celebration of the ET Adventure.